Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 194. We are recording this live between Asif and I, Friday morning, 9 Eastern. I don't even know where I'm at, like 10, 10 Atlantic time. Um, and uh, this, as I said, is 194. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Cavendish, Prince Edward Island. And with me, as usual, from his home base, holding down Ontario. It's Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association in Toronto for another week. And the weather's finally getting like, like it's summer, almost. You know, it's it's almost fall here, Asif. It's yeah. like the wind is blowing, the clouds are coming in. It looks it looks like a fall day in Prince Edward Island, if you can believe it. I, love I don't the like fall it. though. So do I, but I'm not ready for it in August, man. No, I know. This is August eighth. August eighth. Yeah, we're a little discombobulated here because uh, I usually have a production studio in front of me, and all I've got is a MacBook Air. Asif is recording this. This is going to be a scaled down version of uh, this week in location based marketing because you know what. Other people's technology sucks. So let's just go through this and see if we tried a Google Hangout, which was total shit. Sucked. Absolutely terrible experience. User interface, absolute crap. Then we jumped over to go to meeting. Terrible. Un like there's no user experience thought that is put into any of those products. Both shitty products back to Skype. Why? Because Skype is the easiest product to use. My God. Is that a lesson that we've learned here? Don't give you. Yeah, stick with what works. <laughs> oh my god, this is that. What a terrible experience that is. We've been trying this for forty minutes to get this going off the ground. It's terrible. Oh! So, so we don't have the, so we don't have the usual production quality, is what we're telling people, right? But we still look good. I mean, we got we got content quality is here. Yes, that never diminishes. But you know. No, well, this is uh, so. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in Cavendish. I've uh, driven across the country to the Maritimes from Ottawa out here. It's you know, it's about 1,600 kilometers on the road to get out uh, to here with my family in tow. There at a park behind me, uh, in this great cottage. I mean, we are staying at a cottage uh, right almost almost beside the ocean, and it is absolutely amazing. We've just we just got in here yesterday. We've been to. Uh, Rivière de Loup, which is uh, northern Quebec, to go and see along the St. Lawrence, to go and see some whales. We jumped into New Brunswick uh, and uh, and then into Nova Scotia for a little while to see fossils and walk in the Bay of Fundy, which to me, if you ha come to Canada and you don't go to the Bay of Fundy, it is one of the most amazing it's natural sites. It really is. Yeah, We spent days there. Then we went to uh, Joggins to the fossil cliffs to go and take a look at fossils. It's just absolutely, absolutely amazing to be out here. And then we've only explored a, a little bit of, um, uh, you know, the uh, the island here around Cavendish, which is uh, very well known for Anne of Green Gables. And so we've been to Avonlea Village, which is pretty much next door to us here. And uh, we're heading out to the Singing Sands Beach. Uh, today and then a drive in tonight and then we're going to go and hang out at the beach all day for as long as the sun will shine it's amazing maritimes absolutely amazing it's amazing. amazing it really is so that's that's my update uh and i'll give you here here's a location update this eve um navigation so we always talk about this it's time to give you that like i don't know every quarterly navigation update is that i've tried to use as i'm out here i've tried to use google uh at maps apple maps uh my navigon and also uh, Waze. And the one that I decided on this time, the one that worked way better than all of them, Waze. 
by a landslide. Google okay. Maps, whatever they did with Google Maps, sucks. Right? I'm heading in this direction, yet they're pointing me down. They're doing the actual directions now. Are so, you saying Google's 0 for 2 this morning? Oh, my God. Google, you suck. You have totally ruined this vacation. <laughs> Waze was the simplest, the most effective. I had lost connectivity once, one time on the way back from uh, Joggins uh, yesterday. Um, and uh, it was panic for a moment, but it was okay. I, I, calmer heads prevailed, and I made it back to where I was supposed to get to. But uh, I'll tell you, the... Um, the Waze has been by far the best experience when it comes to uh, to navigation. But you know, doesn't Google own Waze anyways? Yeah. Any Waze? Yeah. So, all right. What's going on with the LBMA this fine day, this fine Friday, Asif? Well, what's going on? We're uh, we're busy working away on uh, our fall retail local event. That's Can't that's our, our focus. October twenty second in Chicago. Uh, lots going on with that. Uh, we just uh, we just got a bunch more speakers this week uh, and some more sponsors. Ad tiles on board. Those guys that we talk about with their crazy motion uh, ads and, and all that. So uh, thanks to those guys for coming on board. Opteris is on board. Uh, we got Zing. VF um, uh, coming and speaking uh, as well as Pepsi uh, just joined on, on this week to speak. So uh, great brands. It's going to be amazing. October twenty second in Chicago. Rob's going to be there. I'm going to be there. One more do you want, right? Um, but before we get there, uh, on uh, August the 18th, uh, so not too far away, uh, the LBMA Chicago chapter has an event on privacy issues around the space. Jules Polinski, uh, who's the uh, head of the uh, Future Privacy Forum, is the guest uh, speaker. Uh, so if, if you're in that market and you want to know more about what's going on on privacy and, and best practices, that's where you want to be. Um, and then the same week, um, uh, the Grow Conference is happening in, uh, in uh, Whistler. I'll be out at that. Uh, and that's, you know, anybody who's in startup uh, in Canada should be there. Anybody, you know, a lot of VCs will be there. A lot of emerging tech companies, a lot of wearables companies. Um, I'm doing a session with uh, Brian Wong from Keep and uh, Bon and Ba from Mondelez. Uh, so excited about that, and um, yeah, all of this uh, available uh, for your viewing pleasure at thelbma.com forward slash events. I'm so jealous of you going to grow, man. I'm so jealous. So jealous. But We'll get you there next year, Rob. That, that is for sure. I can't wait for Chicago. I cannot wait to be down there for, uh, for Retail Loco. That's something that I'm, uh, you know, obviously on the calendar. For those of you who, uh, where should they go? Ret we, we haven't, RetailLo.co. RetailLo.co. Yes, retail yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as Asif said, we're going to have an abbreviated show today, this fine Friday, simply because I just don't have the production capability out here to be able to edit it and put it all together. So what you see is what you get. This is unedited all the screw-ups, everything that we do, uh, you know, I don't edit much on the show anyways, as you as We're so polished well as it is, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're pros. <laughs> We're pros. So you're probably going to see my kids coming in and out of the house um, and, the, uh, and the housekeeping as well. So, um, But we've got our 10 stories that are bang on. We're just going to go into a little bit more detail on those 10 stories. We've got a great resource of the week, of course, and uh, we're not going to go and do a deep dive into any of the three three stories we just you know um we're, we're going to try to do it as we go along here a little bit of throwback to our old school uh, origins when it came to this podcast so uh are we ready to do this Let's see. i, th I we think roll? we're good Let's all right so i i get the uh, i get the pleasure of kicking off this week um and i'm going to be talking about the first story we're going to be talking about is is this really uh i think a pretty unique uh use of tinder uh, did you know that i see if there are 7.6 million animals in shelters throughout the united states 
Uh, so the idea that there uh, is a, I don't even know, uh, an, um, an epidemic of uh, stray animals is huge. And I've adopted uh, animals from the pound, from the kennels here in Canada, um, and they've been great, great, great companions. Uh, and so perhaps they need a little bit of help in the United States to actually help in the adoption. So where do they turn to? My goodness, they turn to the obvious option, which is Tinder. And I think this is a great story. The dating app is going to the dogs, literally to the dogs. Uh, East Village-based animal rescue organization Social Tees, along with creative agency BHH, uh, posted dog listings on Tinder in the New York City area. There were the best part of this is that there were of their fifteen hundred there were fifteen hundred matches, which is kind of blows my mind. <laughs> is that they created profiles for the dogs, photos, you know, uh, name, age what they like, what they dislike. Typical Tinder, I mean, I've never been on Tinder, I'm a happily married man, um, but Tinder uh, profiles. And then within fi within 24 hours, there were 1,500 matches that led to one adoption. The Twitter uh, sphere was up, uh, you know, conversation was all over the place. I said, why am I getting matched with dogs? And I think it's either karma or karma, right? If you're getting matched with dogs, it's hysterical. This is a very unique approach targeted highly targeted local uh you know local dating app uh inside in tinder inside of new york city helping animals helping animals find homes not helping you hook up what do you think of this Steve? i like it i think i think it's really cool uh first first of all i mean the the ceo of tinder i mean i, I, I wish i had his last name is i mean sean rad who who wouldn't want to be rad, rad right like come God. on Rad. I mean, this is and this is rad. I mean, this this is this is rad. <laughs> this nice is segue. Rad. I like that. I mean, it, there's a huge issue with uh, you know uh, finding homes Strikes. for these animals. Yeah. Uh, why not take a platform that's you know probably probably one of the hottest social platforms on the planet at the moment, uh, and use it as a way to bring you know um, a focus to an issue uh, like this. And obviously, I, I mean, I don't expect this is something that they're going to do forever. You know, it's really just about shining a lens on on the issue of needing to find homes for the, for these for these animals. Uh, it's probably a very short term thing, but it you know it, it generates a lot of press. It gets it, you know it, it gets people thinking about you know going to these shelters and, and adopting animals. And I, I think it's amazing. I think it's great. Um, you know, there was an attempt a while back, actually, right here in, in Canada. A guy I know um, who uh, started one of the big agencies here. He created. Um, dog book which was uh you know basically a facebook right. for dogs the facebook for dogs um yeah. and uh had some some initial success with that as well so so there's definitely a market for this kind of thing um but don't expect it to stay on tinder <laughs> i can't imagine because i think it says a lot if you get matched with a dog i just think it does right your character i always i i love this i used to think that uh, you know a lot of my friends you know you, you play the game in high school and university um and i think that a karma comes back to treat you the way that you treated it right karma's a bitch and and so i love this is that i see my friends you know people that i knew in high school and university that were dogs in university and high school uh and uh they have four girls i'm like that is karma right you you treated people improperly in high school and university so I, it, this is the next phase when when karma bites in the ass. You get a dog profile on Tinder. There you go. Boom. All, All right. right. Our next story. Jump into uh, it. Yeah. The good folks over at Simon Properties, Simon Malls uh, in the U.S. have teamed up with Mobiquity Networks, a company we've talked about in the past that uh, does a lot of work with uh, with Beacon Technology, 
And uh, they signed an agreement to smart enable, they're calling it, 200 of the Simon uh, malls. Uh, so this, this is a huge uh, rollout. We talked last week about, uh, you know, the, uh, the GameStop rollout, the Hill, Hillshire Brands rollout, the HBC and Lord & Taylor. You know, beacons are becoming mainstream. Uh, you know, I think this is interesting because this is at the mall level. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how tenants, uh, retailers in the malls, take advantage of this and whether, you know, whether they, they create their own sort of localized beacon uh, setups inside of the stores and how that interplays with the, the beacons in the mall, you know, how one works with the other. I, I think that's the interesting thing here because there, there can be a point, and we talked about this back with the autograph guys, you know, where maybe there's too many, too many beacons. Um, and, and so I'm interested to know, you know, how that plays out. But I'm glad to see that the mall guys are, are jumping on this and, 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 and making these investments makes lots of sense. The question for me is, you know, is what's the interplay between the mall level stuff and the, and the retailer tenant level uh, stuff? Yeah, you know, it's hard. I mean, Autograph was a unique thing, especially around Regent Street, because it was owned by the Queen, right? So that is a mall, but an outdoor mall, and they dictated everything that went, in, that went yeah. on. So they told you that you're getting a beacon. Um, and, and, you know, as we talked about, that was generally accepted. But I wondered, like, does this, did, how, is the goal here to create that closed network? That, that all of these beacons and these smart malls are trying to do is that you walk in and then you shut off the rest of the world basically is that not you don't block Wi-Fi you don't block internet block internet access but their goal really is to is to bring the focus of your experience in that mall and keep mm. you there as long as possible and drive you down a path to purchase right yeah absolutely I mean it, yeah. it's you know for for the mall uh, property owners it, it's you know how do we increase the dwell time and the experience you know and keep people there um, and uh, you know that that's where the, that's where these technologies start to make sense, right? I mean, none of this yeah. does anything to drive traffic to the mall in the first place, right? I mean, that's a whole another set of location services and technologies. But once you're there, once you're in the mall, that's where these beacons and these things can can start to uh, to take over and, and help enhance that experience. All right, we're back. As we said, this is live. <laughs> we got some issues. We yeah. got some issues. This is PEI, and the wind blows and knocks down the Wi-Fi access for sure. All right. All right. So our third story. Uh, let's jump into that. Here, here's a UK-based uh, app that allows you to leave digital rewards in physical locations. The app is called Traces, and you can go to traces.io for more information about it. And it works simply by placing something virtually in a location in a physical location, and then when the person you've tagged in that location, walks into that location with the application, they get to collect a virtual good or a virtual node. And you can do this, like you can start to see, uh, it's actually pretty cool because you can think about some applications for this. I've seen examples online about companies or, or people leaving music for their loved ones in a location, a track or a tune, uh, or like a note, for example. And then you start to get into commerce. And we had a, there was a Toronto-based company that used to do this work. You would go into a place and you would be able to gift a burger or gift some food or gift it something virtually so that you li literally leave it hanging in the, in the air for somebody to walk in with the Traces app and then they pick it up and then they redeem it as a coupon for free. Um, I think the possibilities are endless for this type of app, and we've seen a lot of companies do this or try this. And I, I think the biggest challenge is around scale for this. 
it's in beta right now, only in the UK. You can go to traces.io if you are around there. And we'd love to hear if anybody's gone through this. I think it's a unique enough experience. Um, but again, we've seen a couple of these companies emerge and, and collapse because the, the scale isn't there for, to, for takeoff. Uh, but I like the way they've done this, traces.io. Uh, anything to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the, the scale issue. This is the, that's the challenge for any of these things in terms of, you know, yes. how, do, how do we build a user base? But um, you know, conceptually, I think, you know, it makes sense to, you know, have these types of platforms where you're leaving some sort of virtual content there. What for me is 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 kind of missing in this, uh, you know, as, as a focal point is, you know, we've we've talked lately about, you know, sort of how not only are retailers investing in beacons, uh, and brands investing in, in, in beacon technology, but they're also, we're seeing the mainstreaming of augmented reality uh, start to happen, right? Right. So for me, you know, these, these virtual goods, the, you know, these, the, these, these things that are being left behind, you know, you should be taking advantage of AR technology uh, in, in this type of a platform as well. So hopefully there's some, you know, some notion around that. And, and what, what I'd like to see is, you know, is, is not only, you know, something like traces, uh, you know, as, as a mechanism for, for doing that, but maybe even blending, you know, the, um, you know, think, think about traces as a, as a network of virtual things that have been, you know, left in physical space, yeah. kind of like, you know, Groupon is a network of, of offers. Yes. Right. And then think about a way to syndicate, you know, that, that network of offers into third party systems. So picture, if you will, the blipper user base walking into a place and then finding a traces virtual good somewhere. Yeah. Right. That could be interesting. Yeah. Leveraging other people's yeah, audience. That's key. how you build user base, right? Yeah. But, you know, that's a really great idea because if you can bring that in, if you can really bring that in and do something where uh, where it's just a plugin or an API or an yeah, SDK yeah. into somebody else's application. You know, like and it makes sense, right? I mean, and yeah. I'm not trying to tell these guys how to run their business, but, you know, traces, yes, you are. you're in the UK, Blipper, you're in the UK, get together, people, figure it out. Come on. And if you want me to facilitate the introduction, we can do that too. Brilliant. Robin, all Rob and I yeah. ask is that you become a patron. Exactly. Yes. Thank you, Asif. I like this. So great. All right. Well, that's the Traces app, traces.io. As we said, the, the, you know, the potential is limitless. I think, and just to reiterate, is that um, the app isn't the be-all and the end-all, your own app. And if you can get over the fact that you are not an app company, you are a services company, you will be far greater, your success will be far greater. That's, that's I think, the lesson here is that leverage other people's audiences. Traces? Yeah. Talk All to right. you soon. Our fourth All story right. is about Wicked. the wonderfully amazing, fantastic Shazam. Um, yes, Shazam. Uh, we all have that app on our phone, or we should. If you don't, you should get it. Um, what is it? Like something like 700 million people have that app or something like that? It's like a billion. Yeah, it's Three ridiculous. Billion. Um, Seven billion. It's like yeah. the whole planet has them. Yeah, the whole planet has Shazam. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Shazam, as we've talked about in the past, is not just about you know checking the name of the song and letting you download it from iTunes. Uh, or whatever platform it, it you know they've been in the last couple of years focusing on embedding audio signals in radio and TV uh, commercials and you know Super letting Bowl. the Shazam app kind of respond to those with some yeah. sort of call to action and so they formalized that now um, into a new platform that they call Resonate uh, and it's spelled exactly like you spell that word Resonate uh, 
Um, and this is all about um, enabling the, the broadcasters to actually have much more control on creating uh, the content and the call to action themselves. Because up until now, you know, what you were embedding in a TV commercial, Shazam had to do that work for you uh, if you were a broadcaster. And now it's kind of a little bit more of a, uh, let's call it a self-service type of platform for broadcasters where, you know, they're able to kind of control and manipulate, you know, the content and, and, and decide on, on kind of what gets, you know, delivered in the, in the call to action piece. So really, really cool. This is a growing market. Um, you know, just to share some numbers quickly, um, these guys uh, during the, uh, the Grammys this year, 1.1 million uh, times somebody, you know, people use Shazam during the Grammys. During the Super Bowl, 700,000 times people Shazam commercials during the Super Bowl this year. So it's a growing space. Um, obviously, people are getting more engaged with this. And, you, you know, you're seeing commercials with the little Shazam symbol. Um, and it makes sense, right? And also on radio, too. We're starting to see a, a fair bit of this. So check it out. Shazam's resonate, uh, especially if you're a broadcaster, uh, radio or TV. You got to be doing this, people. You definitely do. You know, it's funny. I use Shazam just to Shazam my wife's music. <laughs> that's how yeah. we're a little bit different in our tastes and I'm like hey who is yeah. that and I hit Shazam because I'm too embarrassed to ask oh that's Justin Timberlake I didn't right. know yeah. I didn't know I didn't know I didn't know but I um, you know I'm a huge fan of Shazam I believe that these guys are the future of advertising across all mediums I all forms all everything I, I, I do and uh, you know it catalogs the music as I walk through and I just this is this is a great way to uh, to formalize this platform and to understand you know to differentiate between the music and the tagging stuff that they already do and uh, and and the business side of it which is which is as important but when you have three four five seven eight billion people using this uh, software around the world um, you start to think about the clout the power that they have as an advertising platform and and this yeah. you know Shazam is it for me Shazam is by far I mean, the it, biggest it, one. it's I mean they don't have the issue that we just talked about like I mean no. they've already got install base they have reach right so it's how do it's we crazy. extend that reach now uh, you, you know, and, and drive more more functionality, more use cases, more revenue on top of that existing base, right? And I love this stuff. It makes sense. Well, you know, they just did it so well. They found a need, a niche, a spot where they could actually flourish, which was in, in song identification. There was a, there's other companies that do this, and they have 100 million or 150 million users. Shazam has over 400 million. Be be serious, between 400 and 425 million users. And uh, they just found that niche, and then they, they brought people in for that. They brought it in. So you started using it, and then they started adding services to it. So, you know, they didn't have an end game. They didn't start with their end game first. Like, Resonate is just coming out now. They got the user base. And how do you do that? This. You find an absolute need, a niche, a spot where people will download, something unique that Apple will feature. You can't do this anymore. But there's got to be something for companies that can do it. That's a huge lesson in business. There you go. Shazam, Resonate Platform, love Shazam, love. It's time to have them back on, I think, awesome. so I'm going to reach out to them. All right, a fifth story, story you know, I call, uh, I've, uh, one of my sons is Ben, he's a uh, seven-year-old Ben. Uh, he's a fair, red-headed kid, blue eyes, you know, as you can imagine, basically is singed by the sun as soon as he walks out. Um, and uh, so we call him the white ninja because he's uh, fast and he's white. Completely translucent, pretty much. Um, <laughs> just to segue into the story about Ninja Sphere for uh, smart homes, which is Ninja. Get it? The transition is terrible. See, I'm not funny, even if I don't edit. Um, uh, so this is, <laughs> I, I, you know, we talk about the Internet of Things and the connected home, and this is a uh, this is a former Kickstarter project. They raised about six hundred fifty thousand dollars in Kickstarter, and they are now actually uh, accepting pre-orders. These products. This is a one a three hundred twenty nine dollar hub for your home. 
and it is a gesture control device that can monitor temperature, lighting, and even energy usage. But that's only one of its capabilities. It's pretty amazing uh, that it, it's a. It, it's literally, it sends alerts uh, if you've left appliances on. It can uh, you can turn them off by your phone. It, it is one of these really really uh, important smart hubs for your home um, and you can actually connect in with obviously if this then that you can you build recipes around this stuff it can also let you switch on the heater the air conditioning before you get home all that kind of stuff exactly what you would expect for it to do but what makes it really versatile is the ability that it supports low energy bluetooth ble uh, so it can serve a hub it can be a hub for your hue your connected hue or your wemo or your drop cam which is amazing it's also got uh zigbee radio uh shipping it ships with Zigbee Radio, and it has a USB port that you can actually plug in Arduino-based uh, projects, cameras, speakers, and many more sensors. So it's a very versatile product. I'm so excited about this product. It is uh, not shipping yet, but you, it is available for pre-order for $329. Just go to ninjablocks.com. I'm not sure what else to say about this, Asif, other than pretty damn cool. No, Awesome. And I think it's a trend. We're going to start to see many, 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 many more. We, yeah, you know, and, Revolve and is another one. Yeah, we've that been I talk talking about. about this too. Like I think this kind of stuff, you, you know, like it's the kind of thing that you know I'm excited to start to bring into my house, and and, and you know, I want to test these things out. I'm, I've been looking at Google Nest. I've been looking at all this stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't made that leap yet, but it's a, it's a leap that I want to do, right? Like it's 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 right there, right? So uh, I'm looking forward to this um, Ninja Sphere. Sounds good. Yeah, go to ninjablocks.com and you can uh, pre-order that. And if you have one, if you you know part of the uh, Kickstarter campaign, uh, reach out robinontether.tv or seat at the lbma.com. Yeah. All right, jump in there. All right. Limited so, bandwidth, limited everything, limited time. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Brutal. So so now we go from uh, from ninjas over to uh, New Zealand. And uh, one of the uh, the big banking companies over there, Westpac, uh, has launched a new uh, mobile banking uh, app with uh, its key feature being around augmented reality that we just talked about. So this is really interesting. We don't ta often talk about augmented reality, or I don't think I've ever talked about augmented reality in, uh, in, in sort of relation to banking. But this is kind of neat. So it's kind of like, you know, at least for me at first. Um, and so what they've done is you can uh, basically take your, your, your bank card, like your little plastic bank card that you stick in the machines, uh, and you can hold uh, your phone over it, and using augmented reality, it basically recognizes the bank card as the marker, and then uh, it will display in sort of 3D AR type of model your, uh, your balance, your transaction history, payments alerts, uh, and, and obviously if you hold up your phone and kind of wave it around, you can you know, find the closest ATMs and all that kind of stuff uh, you know, in, in the space around you. So really interesting um you know i for for me it's uh you know i'm not sure how much i really need to see my account balance in 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 ar but you know what what i will say is is that you know hey kudos for being you know uh, in 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 the staid you know old school banking world and trying to bring you know new school technology uh together uh so i like that i like that they're trying trying to shake things up a little bit um and who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe there is a, uh, you know, sort of a, a younger demographic that wants to do banking in this way. I, um, I can't imagine. It can, you know, but it's there, I'm sure. It's, I'm, I'm sure there's a market for it, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So, Westpac, if you're listening, uh, feel free to reach out to, uh, to Rob and I and, and tell us a little bit more about this um, and, and who's using it.
we'd love to learn more. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, uh, these are the kind of things that I, I when, you, when you look at innovation in this world, um, there's a reason to do it, and then there's just a not so great a reason to do it, but it's yeah. cool. And this fits into that second category yeah. is that, uh, you know, I have an app for my, for my stuff that allows me to do much more. You know, if I'm logging into my um, banking app or my bank account, it's for a purpose, right? It's either like I want to pay a bill. It's not just to check the balance. Like, uh, how often do I hold up? How often do I hold up my my bank card and just want to check the balance every moment, right? So yeah. there's got to be a better purpose for this. But uh, you know, if, if you're just trying to dovetail the popularity of augmented reality and try to get a brand for yourself in doing so, and have us talk about it, well, the Westpac mission mission accomplished, right? Bing! Yes, good marketing on you. Good marketing. All right. uh, you know, and those are the things. You know, you know, it's it's tough to have a conversation with somebody in um, in Australia, right? New Zealand, right? Um, simply because of the time difference, but I would be open to that. I'd get up in the oh, morning yeah. to have that conversation. I mean, I, I do it all the time with our Australian people, so yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah. It's tough. All right. Well, augmented reality and banking. Yeah. That's where I live anyways. My bank account is, is augmented reality. <laughs> Actually, it's false reality. Oh, uh, dear. Okay. I have a Number moment seven. of silence for my bank account after this vacation. All right, our seventh track. I see we covered this. Do you remember what it was? The street music uh, that we covered. I think it was New York City that they had street signs all around New York City that yeah, had. It was, um, a, it was a project by a graffiti guy named Jay Shells. Right. Um, so this he has nothing to do with this, right? No. Yeah. So this is something of the equivalent in Toronto. Who knew that Toronto, Toronto? That's Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Second My greatest home. city, yeah, second greatest city in Canada outside of Ottawa. I'm starting to love the Maritimes, though, so I'm gonna have to adjust my uh, my spectrum. Um, but who knew Toronto inspired so much music? So these two people, uh, starting last June, uh, two people, Chloe Dozberg and Lauren uh, Barnheit, and three people, and Jonathan Tyrell, began collecting songs that reference parts of the city or have a connection to a certain site. So if you think about it, uh, you know, we covered this story in New York City, same, same kind of thing. They've now plotted about 130 songs in locations ranging from Rexdale to Scarborough to the Toronto Islands, some places even the CN Tower, Kensington Market, Parkdale, Young Street, all of these different places where they've, they've taken 130 songs and they've found music that references those locations. Um, and they have plotted this out, uh, and I, I think that this is this is very very cool because I often think even in Ottawa, we have people that have written songs about Ottawa, and out here all we've heard is Stomp and Tom Connors, right? Everywhere is Stomp and Tom Connors, right? Uh, and um, and he, he talks about and everybody talks about their city so emphatically, so much love, and I think that this is very cool that they've done this, documenting these songs that uh, that 130 songs that really shape. Toronto's uh, Toronto, um, which is which is pretty cool. So you've got even in, in you got Winnipeg, Portage and Maine, right? BGO. They talked about Portage and Maine mm -hmm. and uh, being 15 below, and that's something that every Canadian knows. Portage and Maine is the coldest cross streets in Canada, right? So yeah, it's a lot more than 15 below, though. I know. That. It's 50 below. Yeah, 50 below. Portage. Yeah, 50. Um, but I, I like this, and and you know, for a guy like me who has a deep affinity for Bruce Springsteen, and Springsteen speaks and sings about the places he grew up in Asbury Park and he talks about Freehold and he and yeah. he writes these songs that are so vivid and then when you go through those uh, towns and you go to Asbury Park 
you go to Freehold, you can you can literally experience what he's experiencing. You know, there's there's a hotel room that he wrote one of you know, uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and and he's looking out over Asbury Park. I mean, just it's absolutely amazing. And he talks about New York City and everything like that. So to to visit those places that he writes about is the exact same thing that these three are doing that uh, Chloe, uh, Lauren, and Jonathan are trying to do in in recreating this, but in 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 a Toronto uh, perspective. No, I, I, I love it, and I, I uh, you know I got lots of time for this kind of stuff that brings yeah. culture music uh location you know together um you know for me though like the perfect thing for this is you know the guys at, at toronto tourism board need to jump on, sure. on top of this stuff right, right. i mean why haven't they you know like that that that's who should be funding this right that's who should be behind this stuff is is like look you're a tourist you come into the city and you got yeah there's the cn tower and the museums and the whatever but if you're a music person, right, mm-hmm. you're coming in, like, like, think, for example, if you come in here for, you know, as a tourist for the North by Northeast Festival, yep. right? So you're a music person already, self-defined music person. You know, wouldn't it be amazing to kind of be able to go on a tour like this where, you, you, know, you, you know, part of that is you download this app and you kind of go through the city and experience music, you know, that's part of the city. I, you know, that's what I love about this stuff. And that's the power of what, what's, what, what's, you know, the potential of what's available here. Right. So love it. Toronto tourism, get on it. Um, you know, and I'll be the first guy to promote it and, 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 and sign up for it. I, I, I mean, it's amazing. Is that, uh, you know, Kathleen Edwards, who is a singer songwriter, uh, she rose to fame. She's from Ottawa. And on her very first album, she, she talks about, uh, the street, Nepean. She went yep. to Nepean High School, and she talks about Maryvale and Maitland and Nepean High School, and and that's in our hood, right? And and it, you know that kind of stuff I love to see is that uh, you know it shapes them as as uh, as singer songwriters, and it also explains when you're standing in the middle of the location, it explains their headspace. And yeah, I'm all I'm all about this. Toronto tourism, jump on it. And why isn't every city done this to promote their artists and promote what they're you know the fact that they're sung about? And he yeah. didn't Drake do an entire song about Toronto like. Uh, like New York, but he did it for Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Drake, Drake's all about Toronto, so. Yeah, yeah it's a terrible song. It's a terrible, terrible, uh, terrible song. Anyhow, all right. All right, eighth story, my man. We're Eight almost story. done. So, almost done. Uh, quick little story. This is a funding story about a company uh, called Drop Messages. And just as it sounds, D-R-O-P, uh, new platform. It was uh, the winner of the TechCrunch Boston Pitch-Off competition. They raised $1.25 million from Atlas Ventures and Spark Capital, who were obviously there at the TechCrunch pitch-off. That's how this deal came together. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of in, in a similar way to the Traces thing you talked about earlier, uh, you know, this is a, an app that's about, you know, uh, leaving messages uh, for people uh, near you uh, based on location that they can come and, and kind of find and experience. Uh and then they can leave their own. We've seen a lot of these apps before, as Rob already talked about in around the traces piece. You know, the challenge with this stuff is getting a user base. And and you know, you, you we remember Broadcaster. You know, that was amazing. You know, I mean, that what was that four years ago, five yeah. years ago, yeah. uh, when we started first started doing the show. Um, you know, so this stuff's been around. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the market's matured a little bit, and maybe there's there's an opportunity here. But you know, I, I think this is going to be tough. Uh, apparently, they've already got users in 60 countries, uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how it grows. But uh, you know, the concept of leaving messages in a place uh, for people to discover or leave their own messages—not new, nothing unique about it in, in, in my world. Uh, much prefer the traces thing and, and tying that to AR, like like I talked about. Um, but uh, hey, they raised 1.25 million from some big people. 
you know, they should talk to uh, Simon Malls or, or the malls yeah. of the world. And, and instead of saying, like, we got users in 60 countries, which I don't, that doesn't do anything to me, is that you want a high number of users that frequent a place often, yeah. once a month, twice a month, three times a month, uh, in a concentrated location so you can up that and have value. Right? Yeah, you, so, know, you know what's interesting with this? So, so you remember, um, you remember on, uh, and I, I don't know if you, they still have it because I don't use craigslist very often or never go there anymore but never. you remember when craigslist like first was, was was happening other than the classifieds they used to have this thing called uh misconnections or something yes do, do you remember that yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, 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 so, so when you just said malls that that's what kind of like triggered for me is you know so you know you know you saw somebody there you had a conversation you didn't get their name and number or whatever and you can kind of leave it there in, in this in this location specific way so mm-hmm. that you know, that for me is an interesting thing right you yep. know a uh, a virtual misconnections location based you know play yeah like uh desperately seeking susan yeah do you remember that movie yeah yeah, Madonna. And then you know, and then you hook it up with Tinder, and they match up with a dog. So it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> in a mall, you match a up mall. with a dog in a mall. So dog. we just combined all of the stories dog into in one app. Yeah. All right. Oh my god, I like it. But okay. they raised one point two five. I don't have anything else to say to that. I just think I, I, I echo your thoughts on that. All right, uh, uh, our ninth story. We're so close to the end. I cannot believe it. I'm looking at this beautiful sunshine emerging over some potato fields, and I'm just ready to go. Uh, Bing. Uh, you ever heard of Bing? Remember Bing? I remember. What are they, number two in the search engine? I think they still are, yes. They've uh, just announced a bunch of new updates. So they've actually up- announced three updates to their uh, geotargeting, their ad geotargeting that includes more visibility control and improved radius targeting. So the first first thing that they've updated is new map features, a new map feature that gives advertisers a way to visualize where they are targeting on the map. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Where are we? 1999 in the location <laughs> space? Wait, go bing! Hey, so now you can target things on the map. Okay. Maybe the second one is important. The second announcement is improved radius targeting that lets advertisers be more granular. So, so I wasn't before. So, so now, so now, so, so what, let me just be clear on that. So instead of just sending a banner, putting up a banner ad on Bing. Yeah. Right now, you can say. Let me let me draw a little radius, and I want this banner ad only to display in this Here. geographic area. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I this like is, it. But it's you know, revolutionary. Maybe the revolutionary. third thing will will knock yeah. things over. The third update combines the ability to use radius targeting with location targeting for the same campaign and ad group. Okay. So <sighs> the only thing I get out of this, just from reading reading the announcement, is. Is the on the second piece is is the the scale at which you can control that because now right. apparently you can target these these things down to from one mile to uh, to five hundred miles, whereas in the old days the the smallest you can get was five miles. Yeah, but you, you know if you if you look at uh, the latest episode of Untethered TV that was just published today on Friday with Ellie Portnoy of yeah. Thinknear, yeah. uh, it should scare the pants off of all advertisers who it think should. that they're. They, like who think that they're that this actually functions a hundred percent of the time. He has something called the location score index. We talked about this many times. Amazing. He's been a guest on here. And uh, the location score index, the average location score index is forty nine out of a hundred. So it literally, you could actually be wanting to be targeting people in LA, and the ad would show up in New York City. So when you start to hear these things, you really have to understand that there are more things that go into it than just drawing a radius around a spot and hoping your ad appears there because that's horseshit. It doesn't always happen. That's a phone. It's ringing here. 
That's weird. Hey. Probably my, my wife asking if she can bring the kids back in. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So when you start to think about that, it is very, very, very impactful uh, to, that you listen to what Ellie's doing with the, uh, you know, with this with this index, because then you know, put context into these stories that say, hey, we've gone from this wide to this wide, but then there's so many things that go into actually targeting appropriately inside of that location that you just also want to make sure that, that you ask the right questions. And that's what Ellie uh, goes through in the latest episode of, up there on untethered.tv. But uh, so uh, I don't know if this is revolutionary or not, but this is what Bing is doing and the updates are available in the latest version of Bing Ads Editor version 9 API. There you go. All right. Our final story is, uh, do you remember Timex, Rob? Ah, God, I had a Timex all my youth. Yeah, I'm right with you. Waterproof Timex watches. I had a Timex and then I had a Casio watch. Casio. Right? Um, Back in the day. Wow. Uh, Well, Timex, you know, it's still around, people. Um, And uh, they still have that that brand, that iconic Iron Man brand. Yeah. Uh, And they've launched a a new watch, the Timex Iron Man 1 GPS Plus, it's called. Now, what's really interesting about this is, you know, basically they're, they're trying to sort of move into that sort of smartwatch uh, feel that we've been talking about with Samsung Galaxy Gears and Apple potentially going there and, and everybody else. And what's neat about this is uh, it's a watch that, uh, you know, collects a bunch of data like like all these things do on, on you know, your, your speed and your distance and, you know, all of that. Um, but what's neat about this is that uh, it can also communicate, you know, the locations where uh, the, the wearer's location uh, to friends, and it does all of this, all of this without being connected to a smartphone. Hmm. Okay, uh, so it's fully independent; uh, doesn't rely on on any phone. Uh, whereas all the other watches that we see out there, you know, are tied to a phone. Now, currently, this is apparently only available in the U.S and only available on AT&T's uh, network at the moment, but basically it's directly con- you know, connected to the AT&T's network. Do you have no- to pay for it? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I don't, know, I don't know if you have to pay, like if you have to have a, a plan subscription or something? with yeah. AT&T or how it works. I know the device itself is about 400 bucks, uh, US bucks, so it's expensive. Um, but, but it's interesting, right, that, it, that it's standalone from the, from the smartphone. Um, apparently, they put a lot of focus on this on uh, on battery life as well. So uh, uh, eight hours fully uh, enabled GPS, um, you know, in three days without uh, GPS enabled, uh, you know. So so interesting. So watch stuff. that only lasts three days without GPS enabled. Without, without GPS, um, and uh, yeah. and and part of that is is that there is the screen itself. So uh, apparently, and I'm going to read this because this is this is this is new stuff to me, people. Um, so it, sa- it says here that uh, uh, it, it basically senses light and then, and then adjusts the battery based on how much light there is. Um, and so it's not using OLED or LCD. Uh, it's got its own sort of uh, light-sensitive display technology, which is, is one of the different things here. It also has a built-in Bluetooth uh, radio uh, in it. Okay. And so four, it can broadcast two phones, yeah, I guess, at some and, point. Yeah, and four gigs of storage. Yeah, you know, wrong, 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 wrong. Yeah. So pieces of this is are okay, but like an independent device that doesn't connect know. to a smartphone. I'm a I'm a watch wearer in general. Like I generally yeah. wear like I'm an old school. I still wear watches. I buy watches. I collect watches. I haven't been a uh, you know a, a, um, a fitness band guy yet, right? 
because I'm not like you know unlike Rob you know I don't run I don't bike you know I don't do that stuff right um, and uh, you know healthy man over here not so healthy <laughs> man over here um, but I wear watches guy who travels 200 days you know, a year guy who doesn't travel 200 days a year but like you know like I like watches especially like you know old school like watches you know like I, I own tags and Cartiers and watches like that um, and uh, so you know something that's standalone that's not connected to my phone I would try it like like yeah. I'm willing to go and you know I might drop the 400 bucks and go give this thing a shot just to go see, do it see what and I am on AT&T in the US so you know I can probably figure that out but um, you know or if Timex if you're listening you want to send Rob and I one of these things to try out and we'll we'll talk about it we'll show it on the show we'll do we'll do the thing but uh, you know let us know about that. But I think it's interesting, yes. like, like the concept of a non-connected watch. <sighs> I think that sends shivers down my spine. I don't know. I, but I want to know where it sends the data, right? Well, like here, here's the challenge. Like at least they have Bluetooth. So my guess is that what they do is they roll this out for the core guys, and then they'll build an app, and then it'll connect with Bluetooth, and then we'll be we'll have that synergy yeah. between device. This is this this thing is the termination point for all these things. It like is. this is where the value is. They, you know, whatever it is here can collect data, can collect everything it wants. Um, but the, I keep coming back to to this, right? Which is, uh, w you know, the wrist is a very 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 valuable piece of of uh, real estate these days. And what I need on that wrist is things that it's going to do, it's going to connect to something. So a GPS, um, uh, you know, an Ironman GPS uh, watch is very interesting to me. Very interesting to me. But uh, it has to tie into an app. It has to be able to be open to, you know, tie into a running app or, or you know, something that allows me to extract data from it that is yeah. beyond just location. Location is the, is the essence, is the core, but I need the essence around that. And, and to have a phone that's independent, doesn't work. So, yeah. or have a watch that's independent. So, I think that what Timex is doing, roll it out to the smart dudes. It's cool. They'll build and, an app. But you know, and they and this is packed with like top like leading edge technology. This is all yep. Qualcomm behind the scenes, right? So it's got Qual the, the the screen I'm talking about. It's it's Qualcomm's. Uh, it's called Mirror uh, Mirasol. Uh, is the is the display that they developed. It's obviously a Qualcomm chip uh, inside of this thing, right? So th this is like state of the art stuff. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll see where it goes. And I, I agree with you. It needs to be at some point tied to an app. But the fact it that it can send communications without a phone, I like that. Yeah, but like the GPS in your car used to be able to do that, right? Yep. The old school GPSs. You didn't have to have a subscription to anything in order to be able to do to get a GPS signal, right? True. If you can connect to the satellite, you pay 400 bucks for the GPS and it brings it down. The big question for me is, you know, so what? If it doesn't tie into RunKeeper, it's useless to me. If it doesn't tie into something that enables me to be able to go and run a river, it, it's useless to me, right? So, uh, like, I think that Timex interesting strategy going alone because the, the, they're taking a, a route that nobody else is taking, and I like that approach. Yeah. I think that they're going to come back at some point, release a lower uh, end, you know, sub two hundred dollar consumer version that ties into an app, so they can offload some of the smarts. A watch that lasts three days when you're out in the middle of the wilderness doing a one hundred mile run or whatever it is, the Iditarod or whatever it might be, not effective, right? You need right. a watch. That lasts like this misfit, misfit wearable, right? Lasts yeah. three months. No, I put I it know. on, I forget about. It. So, th those are the kind of things that uh, that. But I, I'm I'm fascinated. And Timex, I, after I, all that, I'm, you want yeah. to send they us got a my copy? attention. Or, yeah, got your attention. They got my attention. All right, those are the ten stories, man. I can't believe we made it through. So far, we got one last piece. It's a resource of the week, uh, and then we're gonna sign off. No deep dive because we've done enough uh, conversation. We just did a little bit of extra inside of the stories, and I hope you appreciate that. 
Uh, we'll be back to our usual schedule. I am back in Ottawa next week, next Sunday. So we'll do a, a late uh, a late episode on Sunday night for episode 195. What's the resource this week, Asif? Consumers yeah, it, agree. It's a uh, it's a it's a basically a, a reporter survey that was done by a, a group called Punch Tab or a company called Punch Tab, I should say. They surveyed a thousand consumers. Uh, this happened uh, near the end of April uh, this year, so the data is just coming out uh, now. Uh, and it's all about consumers' um, you know, sentiment and feelings around location sharing. Uh, so obviously, you know, central to, uh, to this audience, to our audience. Uh, and just share some of the numbers quickly. 27% um, of people uh, surveyed are likely, uh, are likely to allow tracking for the right benefits. 88% uh, of survey participants said they would share their locations for coupons and offers 72% for shorter for, for shorter checkout times and 69% for targeted alerts about sales and products they like. So people are willing to do this again if the value if the benefit is there. Um, one of the interesting things I saw in here um, is it's almost equal between men and women. 25% uh, uh, of men uh, are, are likely to do this. 29% of women feel the same way. So almost you know not too not too different there. And one of the more interesting pieces of data in this in this study, if you're a re if you're in the retail business, you want to pay attention to this. Is they actually uh, tracked um, the inclinations of these consumers by a category of retail store uh, that they're interested in. So 84% said they would uh, support this kind of engagement uh, with uh, superstores, 78% with department stores, 74% with grocery, uh, and only 60% with home improvement. So uh, interesting data there. Uh, the the full uh, the full study will be available on uh, the LBMA's research uh, page. So that's uh, www.thelbmathelbma.com forward slash research. Punch tab. It's interesting that that, that they're very interested in in um, in uh, stores that they use more often than stores that they use less often. Right. Yeah. So the stores that they use every couple of days, like the grocery stores, department stores, superstores. Makes sense to me. Yeah. DLBMA.com forward slash research. It's up there right now if you're getting this on Monday. Right now if you're getting this on Tuesday. Right now if you're getting this in 2015, you can go and listen to it right now or go and see that. It's all there. All right. That, that is episode number 194. We're six episodes away from uh, hitting 200. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled locations, so to speak. Uh, for 195, I'll be back in Ottawa. See, if, uh, you'll, be, you'll be in I'll Toronto. Still, I'll uh, still be in Toronto. That's right. That's a good stretch, man. That's a good stretch. I know. It's good. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, live from Cavendish, I would take you on a tour, uh, but I don't think we have the time, nor do we have the bandwidth. But all I say is, I implore you, come out to the Maritimes. If you are not yes. a Canadian and you need a place to come, you can go to Toronto, you can go to Ottawa, metropolitan, big cities, whatever you want, Montreal, Vancouver. Come east, man. This place is amazing. It's and uh, Bay of really Fundy, it, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible place. And people are wonderful. Cottages are amazing. So come east. That's my ad for uh, <laughs> this episode brought to you by the Maritimes, the Maritime Provinces. Asif, have a safe week, man. We'll see you in next one for episode 195. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time. All right. Take care, Rob.